Well, today uh, we are going to begin a series that will be through the month of December entitled Roles, Roles, Playing My Part, Playing My Part. And when we, when we think about roles, one of the things that I think about particularly is the, the football team, uh, because football is one of, my, one, of my, one of my favorite sports. I did like basketball until this year with the Rockets, but football is one of my favorite sports. And I believe that by the end of this uh, basketball season that I'm going to be uh, really excited about basketball as well. But right now, football is one of my favorite sports. And you know what's amazing about that is that um, it's something powerful when a team gets together. And, and I'll share this with you because we can see it even uh, in, among our midst. Um, the, the Houston Texans had a losing streak of three straight games and to start the year off. And do you know what happened? That There was a team of folk that got together called Jim's 55. And they got together and they, says enough, they said enough is enough. And that team began to pull together, began to intercede, began to lift their voices and shout to the TV. And it was at that very moment that things changing, star things started moving. It was like heaven on earth. And do you know what? The, 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 the Houston Texans have not lost a game since the gyms got together and began to shout. Look at the team. You know, everybody had a role to play. Some were eating. I was, some were instructing, some were coaching, but everybody was doing something. Now, what's interesting to me is that I like football season as well. It's one of my favorite seasons, and uh, it has been said that football is the ultimate team sport. And the success of a team requires that each player know their role, they... Uh, executed at the fullest of their potential. And it is the way that they would move the ball up the field. And so a team that wins consistently, that there are some commonalities of that team, and that is that they have committed players who know their role and they execute the strategy at the highest of their abilities that they can. Now, I want to demonstrate something this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask me, if you just four adventure questions, and I'd like four teams, would you just come really run up on stage really quick? Just get up. I've got a prize for you. Four, four adventure questers and four teams. There they are. There they are. They're coming right now. There we go. Glory. There you go. I want, I want you to just kind of position yourself, the, the teams, would you come over here right here? And I want you, four teams, just four of you, just four of you right here. Just come on. The first four come right here. And you, I want you to face this way here. There you are. Just get in a line right here. How about right here? Just start right here in a line. There you go. There you go. And how about you over here? And I know some of your teams, but would you just kind of get in a line right here? There you go. Now, so what we have here is we have two teams. And I want you to see this as this is my offense. This is my defense. You know what our offense is? An offense is somebody who is pursuing to move forward to score. 
An offense is someone who's looking forward to scoring. So this is my offense right here. This is my defense. The defense is the one who will try and stop you from scoring. Stop you from scoring. And so the, the objective of these individuals here, I'm going to be the quarterback. And so the objective is for them to protect me from this group that's trying to stop me. Now, it's important that they protect me because I'm the one who's going to have what's necessary to advance us. But you know what? My role is only as valuable as the people who are fulfilling their roles. And so uh, uh, right now, I want you to come here. And so right now, this is here. This is my offense. The, the defense is going to come up. And you know what? When I say hike, do you know what you're supposed to do? When I say hike, do you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to, man, I tell you, this is great. What, what, what you're going to do is you're going to pursue them and try to touch me. Don't tackle me. But touch me, okay? You've got it? So when I say hike, I'm going to make it sound real good, though. I'm going to say, <laughs> I've been always wanting to do that. And so when I say hike, that's it. Like that. That's not it. So what I want you to do is I want you to advance upon them and try and touch me, okay? All right. Sit. This is the group. Okay. So, so go back into your place. Now, now, I want you to notice something here. It did not matter how big my line was if they did not fulfill their role to protect me, then my role can't be fulfilled. I mean, they're going to get me hurt out here. All right. Let's try that again. Oh, they, they're working together. So what's so significant then is that the team, notice this, that one was going around one and one was blocking one and then was trying to keep the other one out. But the whole objective is to fulfill your what? Role. And when you fulfill your role, then now the team has enough time. Someone who has another role to advance the ball have the time to advance it. And it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter uh, what it looks like. The only thing that matters 
is that if each person know their role, committed to their role, and they execute it at the best of their ability. Now, one of the things I wanted to share with you today is that the first example of teamwork, teamwork, the first example of teamwork was in the first book in the Bible, in the book of Genesis chapter one. This is the first example of teamwork. And I want you to see this because it's so important to what God has for us, what God desires for us as well. The first example is in the book of Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. Come on, champions, let's read that like we know it is the word of his power. Now, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Stop right there. Who created the heavens and the earth? Who was hovering? Who was hovering over the face of the deep? The Spirit. And let's look at this next verse together. Now, then God said, let there be light, and there was. Now, what's interesting here is that you see the Father, and you also see the Spirit. But you may not be able to recognize in creation the Son. But the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they were working all together. And, and, and I'll show you this because when we get over to the New Testament in the book of John chapter 1, the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was what? He was with God. Oh, wait a minute. He was what? He was with God in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Before the world was ever created, the word was a being. And, 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 and the word was with God, but the word was not only with God, but the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And notice this, notice this. Let's read verse, let's, let's read verse three together now. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that... So through him, through who? Through the word. Wait a minute. The word was there in the beginning. The word was with God. The word was God. Now, I see in Genesis clearly that the Father, God the Father is there, that I see also that the Spirit was there. But notice what John says. I believe it's down in verse 13. And he says it like this, 14. He says it like this. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who? who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So therefore, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word came through the ages and got some flesh and began to, I love the way the message Bible says, and moved into your neighborhood. 
He became flesh and began to live among us. And so notice this. In the beginning, there was the Father. In the beginning, there was the Spirit. And in the beginning, there was the Son. And they all had a role to play in creation. All of them had a role. All of them had a position. And so each member of the Godhead had a position to feel in the world, in creation of the world. And, and, and each one had a role that was defined, defined for them. Now, it's important then that we recognize that from my perspective, and I believe that we can see here, according to the word of God, that there is a striking parallel between football and Christianity. See, uh, every person that is a Christ follower, they have a role. And so we can see that since creation and throughout history that the position or the power of humanity it has come and it is tied to the ability of man to work together as a team many times what happens is that we come into the body of Christ and we can become so focused on dealing with us God I need you to give me some money God I, uh, what about my problem uh, what about me? What about this? What about that? But I want to share something with you. God has more in mind when he saved you than just saving you. God, look at this. God had more in mind than just making Abraham rich. What did he want him to do? He had a role. He had an assignment. And God wanted him to be the father of many nations. That goes beyond. God had uh, more in mind when he saved Moses as a, as a little baby than just saving him. What did he want him to do? He wanted him to save a nation of people that will come and that will worship him. God had more in mind when he created you. He had more in mind when he saved you. He had more in mind even as we look throughout the scriptures uh, when he told Peter to launch out into the deep, God had more in mind. Why? It's because he wasn't just trying to bless uh, Peter's fishing business. God wanted to make him a fisher of men. And so God has more in mind for you than just to save you. And the Bible tells us that he chose you. And, and when he chose you, he had more in mind for your life. And so I want to give you an analogy, and again, I'm going to give you a football analogy, uh, because when a team wants to bring on player in the beginning of the year, what they do is that they would draft a player to be on their team or on their roster. And what happens is that the more elite players, they bring them in, and they, they recruit them, they, they talk to them, they give them the grand tour, they tell them... Uh, how valuable they are and they give them the first class treatment many times they fly them on a private jet and uh, when this player gets there it looks like it's all about him but it's really not all about him because the only reason they have done what they have done is that they have pursued him because of what he can do for the team and one of the worst things that can happen to a recruit is for someone to get caught up in the recruiting process. And they start thinking about them and they start thinking about uh, what they can get and some of the things that, that they want. And, and when they get tied up, then they lose sight of what 
the whole purpose of the recruiting process is. Because he'll, no matter what he dream of, he will only receive what he deserves or what is given to him based on his willingness to accept the assignment. He will only receive it based on his willingness to accept the position that they have for him. And so the Bible tells us in the book of John 15, 16, he says that, look, I chose you. You did not choose me. So God says that I recruited you. And I've done all of this. I've shown you my, my, my grace. I've shown you my mercy. I've shown you my glory. And, and it's not so much just for you, but it's what you can do for the team. Let's take a look at this a little bit closer because the things that you want, the enemy has somehow twisted this up that causes us to focus on ourselves because it causes us to, to pursue the things that we want out of life. And that's what the enemy does. And, and so what happens is that we grow up and we begin self-focus. We begin on, you know, my time. We, we, we look at what I want to do. We look at where I want to sit. We look at uh, what I'm willing to do rather than what my assignment is, what my role is, and what my position is. And let me say this to you, that it's all about you, but it's really not all about you. And the reason is that's so important is because the role you are to play in some way uh, is for men and women to come into the kingdom of God. When God saved you, it was more than just about you. And part of that role is, is, is for you to bring others into the kingdom of God. And I know that it, you're, it, it's not very exciting to talk about getting people born again. It, it, I, I understand that it is more exciting to really focus on God giving me money. It's more exciting to focus on God promoting me. It's more exciting uh, for, for me to, uh, to focus on you know, what I can get out of a commitment that I made 20 years ago. It's more exciting for us to think about those things. But I want to show you something here is that what God wants to get to you that he gets to you from the willingness that you have to accept your assignment and fulfill your role. Let me give you an example because sometimes we can get out of balance and we can focus on the house, the car, the job. And you, can't, uh, you can get so overwhelmed by the benefits uh, that you lose sight of what the main purpose is. And I humbly submit to you today, if you take on the assignment, then things that you want are part of the perks that come along with the position. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever traveled and you traveled on behalf of your company or you traveled on behalf of someone else? It's a rhetorical question. And that if you traveled on behalf of your company, that you noticed that you were being sent somewhere. And I've been to some nice places and and, 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 but I didn't go on my own. I was sent. And, but when you were sent by the company, they sent you with a purpose. But then there are perks that go along with it. Because I didn't have to pay for the ticket. I didn't have to pay for the hotel. You don't have to spend your own money. And if you spend your own money, then you are, what, reimbursed when you get back. And so many of the things that you experience are pursuing, are designed to come along with your assignment. 
And so Jesus, he says it like this. He says, take up your cross and follow me. And sometimes we look at that and we go, man, you know what? I don't want to be uh, uncomfortable. We look at that and we say that, you know, I don't want to uh, be, be interrupted or distracted or bothered. We might look at that. We might say, <clears throat> you know, picking up my cross, then that's pain. That's suffering. But no, no, no. The cross was Jesus's assignment. It was his role that he had to play in God's story. And the Bible tells us that he was sent to destroy the works of the devil. And so Jesus volunteered uh, to get on the cross so that you and I might be redeemed. So God had more in mind when he just uh, brought Jesus to the earth. It wasn't about just him living among us, but it was about him uh, uh, dying for us redeeming us, paying a price that we could not pay for ourselves. And the Bible tells us that we can't be born again by ourselves. What do you mean? He says that if you, uh, Nicodemus, said to him, he says that uh, Jesus, the Bible says he came to him in the nighttime. Now, why is it a very respected man who's respected among the Jews would come to Jesus at night. Why wouldn't he come in the daytime? You know what? He had a yearning on the inside of him to know more than what he knew. And he, he came to Jesus and he said that I know you are a man that has been sent by God because no one can do what you do on their own. And he says that how can one enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says that no man can enter the kingdom of, of God unless he's born of water and of the spirit. Now, many have looked at that and said that that's relating to baptism, but it's really not. <clears throat> baptism is not a condition of salvation. Baptism, we, we are baptized because it is an act of obedience. Okay, let me give you an example and then I'll come back to it because I wanna make sure you're following me here. You know, remember that those men, those men were on the cross with Jesus? And Jesus said these, and one says that uh, if you be the, 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 the king, a son, uh, save yourself and save us too. But one other, one that was on the other side of him said that when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus says, for you shall be with me this day in paradise. This man did not get off the cross and get baptized so he can be with him. So baptism is an act of obedience. Jesus has instructed us to publicly display what he has done on the inside of us. So when he told Nicodemus that one must be born of the of water and of the spirit. See, when you were born the first time, you were born out of a sack of water in your mother's womb. And she knew it was about time for you to come. Why? Because the water broke. And then you were born. <clears throat> and so you were born the first time, but the way you get into the kingdom is you have to be born again. And he says that, so you, you were born through your mother and your father. <laughs> but, but, but to be born of the spirit, 
You need God to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. And so by being born of the, of the water, you did not do anything to be born the first time. Your mother and your father did everything and all you did is just showed up on the scene. But the second time, you need God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so what happens that he sends his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, on the third day he rose again and he says, all power is in my hand. You know what's amazing about that? Is that we rose together with him. And, and when we accept Jesus, something happens on the inside, according to Corinthians, says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, I have a new life. Hey! I've got a new life. And well, do you have challenges with some of the same thing? Yes, but now I've got grace. Ah, now I've got redemption. Now I've got mercy. And so if I had to pay for my own sins, the Bible says the wages of those sins is death. I could never live for him. And so God had more in mind when he saved you. And it was not just to save you, to give you a house, to give you a car, to give you a job, to give you a promotion. He says that I want you to, boom, impact somebody else's life for the kingdom. So you have a role to play. And the question is, will you accept many of the things that we pursue in life? They, they, they are benefits of accepting the position that he has given you for the fulfillment of your assignment. He that is willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. And so the question that you have to ask yourself, and we'll look at it over these next several weeks, will I accept my role? Will I play my part? And do you know what? If you're willing to accept your role and play your part, then everything that God when he chose you, the inheritance that he prepared for you, that it will advance the kingdom which will advance. And do you know what's amazing about that is that he asked us to become part of the local church, the fellowship. And there are things that he has asked us to do. You cannot do unless you are a member of the local church. But being a member is not enough because of being a member means that I'm just for myself. I'm for myself. But the purpose of a member of your body is not for the benefit of the member, but it's for the benefit of the body. See, my heart pumps, not because for my heart, but it pumps so that my body can what? Live. See, my liver, my kidney, they function, and they do not function just for my kidney and my liver, but they function so that I can have a healthy what? Body. When my back itch, my back doesn't scratch itself, but all of a sudden, without even thinking about it, my hand reaches over and starts scratching my back, not for the benefit of my hand, but for the benefit of my body. And when all things are working together, then the body's healthy, the body grows, and no one has to instruct a living organism to grow. It will grow if the, if, if the sickness and disease kept out. And so the enemy tries to put, hey, you're, you're doing too much. You're giving too much. You're involved in, in, in a ministry when you can be at home sleep. He'll tell you those things, but what he is doing is that he's trying to get you to miss your blessings and the benefits that come along with your assignment 
and your position. For we are not ignorant of the devil's devices, but we hear and obey the word of God. So let's go get our stuff. Let's go get our promotions. Let's go get our funding. Let's go get whatever it is that we need. But we get it not by pursuing those things, but by accepting the assignment and saying that I'm going to play my part. 